For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. live from the ESPN 690 and Jar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Yeah, he gets the ball out quickly. You know, when it's the second half, a lot of the, the balls were out quick. You know, they were doing a lot of quick games. First half, we did put some pressure on them. And then I thought we are off the field, and they called that holding on the... I, I, don't, I don't see that yet, but our GM told me he saw it. I think that was on the sack, right? Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Hitting the podium. Yeah, he... Um, if you watched that last night, you could see the emotion for Urban Meyer. I mean, we were there. I think you could see it even if you just watched the, the post game. Do you have an you issue know, with that? I, I don't. I mean, it's really a better question for you because, uh, like, I mean, you're the player, mm -hmm. and uh, I think... I don't have uh, an issue because of what I said earlier in the show. I think a lot of people around here, like when Gus Bradley was losing, right, or or even Jack or or Doug Marone, you know, yeah, Doug looked mad, and, I mean, they all looked disappointed, but they said stuff to kind of keep the train rolling, and they tried to create positivity, and therefore they said the same things over and over. And, and that's – I understand there's an element of that that's part of their job, but I felt like all along people were like, hey – um, is anybody going to get mad about this? And mm -hmm. so for to have a coach that, at least from a fan perspective, that you can tell it bugs the crap out of him to lose a football game, like, I think the fans kind of like that. And by the way, I don't think he's catering to the fan. I think that's urban, right? So I, I just think that's the way he is. And he was – I told you earlier in the show, if you missed it, I mean, he was, like, clenching that podium. Then he hit the podium the one time. I mean, he was distraught over that loss. I mean, that, that is – we, we know this guy doesn't like to lose, and that was the best example of it yet, in my opinion. Um, I don't know what it means to the locker room. I think people are concerned a little bit about body language, sometimes maybe even throwing coaches under the bus about play calls uh, with Urban. I don't know if he's doing that too much. I, I feel like he's got the locker room, man. I feel like they know he's mad, but he's also defending them, and he, he talks highly of them, and he appreciates their effort, but they just need better play. And he, he's done that since he got here. If, if you're not playing well, he's not afraid to tell people you're not playing well. Um, I don't know how the players feel about it, so I guess it's kind of a better question for you, but I don't mind it at all. I kind of like it. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind it whatsoever because, and I get, like, every every coach, every person, you know, they, they handle their emotions differently. And, and I think that Urban Meyer wears his emotions on his sleeve. Now, you can say that's a good thing. You can say it's a bad thing. I mean, I, I think as long as you're being true to yourself, um, I think you, you know, there's room in the NFL for you. To me, though, is like what he purveys, like at this press conference where he's pounding the podium. What do you think he did behind the scenes then? I know it. Right? I like, know it. were chairs getting tossed? Like, that's, this is the NFL. Like, I've had so many, co I've seen so many coaches punch dry erase boards, tip over a table, throw a Gatorade bucket. Like, that's part of, of what happens in a locker room. And the fact that he tapped on a, 
uh, a podium and like we got to freak out about that like but no like I, I guarantee if you had if you had the the hard knocks behind the scenes access after a loss after a game that you're supposed to win and you see how a coach flips out in front of his team you would they, they might be calling the FCC on you they, 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 they might be calling the authorities because people wouldn't be ready for that that's what it is, though. That, that, that's the game of football. So, no, Brent, I have zero problem with him pounding the podium, um, you know, maybe having a little bad body language after the game. You're supposed to. It, it, it's supposed to suck to lose. So I'm not saying, like, I like when Urban Meyer is ticked off and he's hitting the podium, but if that's who he is, then so be it. Yeah, I think that's maybe a bit the refreshing side of Urban not knowing, if you will, and I'm using air quotes right now, saying knowing the NFL. Like, he comes in, he's like, listen, we're going to win. We're going to turn this around. We're not going to have this honeymoon time frame, right? Uh, Trevor has been very careful but good about that, saying, hey, we're, we're, we're good enough to win right now. we got to make a play or two. We're going to win. Like, I'm not saying we're getting close. Like, he even caught himself yesterday. I'm not going to say we're close. Like, we are close. Like, we're a play away. And so I like that for those guys trying to change this around here, change this culture. And maybe I kind of like it about Urban that says, hey, it's okay that he does he under, doesn't understand that this is going to be a longer journey than even he thinks it is or it's ever been. Like don't don't understand that. Be mad about it. You know, hate to lose. That is fine. Like I get it. Everybody hates to lose. I agree. I think every fan hates to lose. I think every coach hates to lose. I think every player hates to lose. I understand it. But this guy has been part of his his MO for as, as long as he's been coaching and people wondered how he would handle it. I actually think he's handled this very well the last few weeks. I didn't think he got off to a great start after the Houston game. I think that stunned everybody, and even including Urban. Mm -hmm. I think he's been so much better after the second loss and the third loss. And, and again, what I think is an illustration of I think Urban's been pretty good after the losses is how they've responded and gotten better each week. Now, again, it hasn't created a win, so it's not good enough, but it's not like they've backtracked. And are we waiting for that? I think they've handled the losing decent. <laughs> and, again, you don't well, want to, yeah. but I think there's another way to go there is my point. Like, you can go another way when you handle losing poorly. And I think this football team so far has handled it. We'll see how they bounce back from this one because this was the toughest one yet. Yeah, at the end of the day, I, I'll be honest with you, I really don't care what the post-press conferences are like for Urban Meyer. I don't yeah. care if he's got his head down in his, in his arm the entire time. I don't care if he's pulling, like, you know, a, a, Dennis, a, a Dennis Green, like, we let, we let, you know, let him off the hook. I don't care if we're talking about playoffs. Like, I, I really don't care because the only thing I'm concerned about is with the way Urban Meyer presents himself is how does he present himself to that locker room after a loss, yeah. right? And then those are things that we're not privileged to knowing, but, like, you echoed a little bit. The fact that this team has improved game by game by game, and I get it. It's a silver lining. I don't like talking about it, giving it credit, but it is the fact. It goes to show you that he is handling losing, I think, better than a lot anticipated. So whatever the media wants to say about it in terms of, well, he's got bad body language, he's hitting podiums, like, that doesn't really matter. Because at the end of the day, it's not like the players are on the plane or, like, <clears throat> getting ready to get on the bus watching this press conference live and saying, hey, I wonder what my coach is going to say about me. Like, yeah, do you, yeah. you think the players are concerned about hitting podiums? No. So then I'm not concerned about it. No, I, I think um, – now, I will say this. I, I believe this, and you tell me if it's true from a player's standpoint or not, but I kind of believe I, – I say this a lot about parenting, really. Uh, I, I think your kids kind of, whether you think so or not, they kind of take on your demeanor or react to your demeanor, like on a daily basis. You know, oh, without if you're, a if you're doubt. angry, all that stuff, like they, they sense it. 
whether it's right in their face or not, they sense it. You oh, know? without a doubt. My my son's calling teacher dudes nonstop. Like, hey, dude, like, <laughs> yeah, probably not the best, but apologies. He, he, he learns it at home. You know, what, what can I say? Yeah, not, Mr. Not all teachers, dude. Yeah, not all teachers are referred to as dude. You have to go Mr. or Mrs., Ronan. But, you know, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, so I think to a degree, in some cases, I don't think all – but maybe teams take on the that also that persona of the coach. Yeah. And so, like, in New England, we're seeing a different Brady, right? He took on the persona of, of Belichick and the way he ran things and everything was tight and all the players did. They didn't say much, right? They didn't show much personality other than Gronk. <laughs> he stayed who he was. <laughs> but, sure. But, like, I don't know if that happens everywhere, Austin, but I guess what I'm getting at is – I think there's more of a chance of this football team taking on the persona that losing isn't acceptable and I'm pissed off about it all the time rather than I'm freaking out about it. Like, I don't see a freaking out Urban Meyer, at least not yet. I think a pissed off, ticked off Urban Meyer is there. And if that makes everybody in that locker room do that and make an extra rep better in practice and maybe it pays off in the game, well, then maybe that's what you need around here. Uh, but yeah. you're better to speak to that. Like, did you guys take on the personality or the persona of Jack? When you played here, did you feel that? I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's an interesting philosophy. Um, you know, w with Jack, like, yeah, I think we were kind of a hard-nosed, tough-minded team. But, like, and he, you know how Jack Del Rio is. Like, he's never really too up or too down, nah, right? So, so it wasn't like, I mean, he had an – obviously, he's the head coach, so you have influence on the team. But it wasn't like, you know, he's, you, have to, you have to act like this, you have to act like this. No, it was just kind of we did our own thing. Um, so for the most part, like, I've never really had a – I mean, Andy Reid, I guess you could say, in terms of having fun um, and in terms of just, you know, being a little more, like, lighthearted. Yeah, loose. Is yeah. Good, uh, that, that's a great one. It's loose. Um, I think, you know, like, if you watch the Chiefs and, like, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, how they handle themselves in press conferences, like, you get the sense that they're a very loose team. Right, and there's expectations um, set up before them. But, like, I, I will go back to a story in Detroit with Jim Schwartz, who, you know, Jim Schwartz is a defensive-minded guy, and, you know, he kind of had the persona a little bit of this laid-back character, and that, that's kind of who he was, kind of like a Jack Del Rio, if you will. But I'll never forget when we lost to Tampa and Gatorade coolers went flying um, and the leadership committee kind of had to stand up to our coach in the middle of the locker room after a loss and say, that's not you. Uh, I, I would stop doing that. And that was kind of awkward for everybody. Hmm. So that was a kind of behind-the-scenes little nugget for everybody out there. But, like, I have seen it go that way as well. So I think at the end of the day, it's more important for, for, for the captains to kind of reflect of what you want from a football team, whether they're doing it the right way in press conferences, whether it's doing it the right way on the field. And every once in a while, you're going to get a coach who his influence will be all around the team in terms of his personality uh, and how he approaches the game of football. Yeah, that's really well said, and that's a, it's a good story because you got to be who you are, right? Yes. You can't fake it because yes. players know that. You can fake it to the media. You can fake it to the fans even. But you can't fake it internally. And so, and I don't think, again, I feel like Urban's being pretty real with everybody. I mean, I, but we don't know what's going on behind. I also don't get the sense, even though he pounded the podium, even though he came in, I don't think he, he, he was flipping that locker room after the game. Because I, I get the sense he might be more disappointed in his coaching staff in some of these losses than he is in the players. Mm. And I'm not sure that's right. 
I, this is, by the way, just me interpreting. I have, I don't know that. But I just feel like, based off what he said coming into this whole thing, where, hey, we got to coach him. You know, this is, we have good players. You know, and he still, he, he says it every time he goes in front of a microphone. He likes the locker room. He, he, these are good guys. These are hardworking guys. These are talented guys. They've got a good enough group to win. Well, to me, that kind of then goes on what he said to start. It's like, we got to coach him up. Mm-hmm. We got to coach him better. And I, I think if there's some disappointment, he might be yelling at some coaches in some staff meetings. I don't get the sense he's yelling at the players that much. Maybe showing some disappointment yesterday for some plays not made. But I don't think so yet that he's snapping <clears throat> on the players, you know? No, I, I mean, I don't think he's snapping on the players, but I think that he's holding some players accountable, you know? Yeah, and, and And then there's a fine line, I think, between holding players accountable and snapping on players. And that's what it comes down to, Brent, at the end of the day. And then this is kind of like a, a big, you know, misconception, I always feel like, with, with locker rooms and how coaches come across. Players don't mind getting chewed out. Now, it's not, it's not the funnest thing, obviously. Like, you'd rather have a more calm coach as opposed to a coach who's chewed you out. And believe me when I say I, I've had all personality types, right? I've been called every name in the book by some, and some guys wouldn't even raise their voice to me. Every coach has their different philosophy. But alluding to what you said Players are really in tuned of seeing through, you know, the, the, the BS, if you will, of seeing when a coach um, isn't being his true self. And coaches find themselves sometimes in this position because how they feel they're coming across isn't working. So they either got to up what they're doing or they got to lower what they're doing, but they got to change something about their philosophies and their demeanor. And players can see that. And when players see that, that's when you lose a locker room because it's all about respect. If, if you respect a player enough to be yourself around him, then players will appreciate you no matter how many times you want to, you know, you get chewed out or you get yelled at. But if you start, you know, changing the script a little bit and you're one guy one day and then you're a different guy the next day, players will so- see through that and that's when you lose a locker room. Yeah, and by the way, I do think that happened to a degree toward, in your tenure here toward the end of Jack Del Rio's tenure. Mm. Uh, and maybe, maybe again, this is just my perception and some things that I heard in the building that he... Because he did get, he was inconsistent with his approach. I'm mm-hmm. not sure his mentality toward players, but I think he was kind of reaching at stuff. And so he would be very inconsistent at his day-to-day or how his philosophy or I always used to, if you go back and look at when Jack was coach and you played for some of these years, you'd go, you'd have night training camp and then you'd yeah. have day training camp. And then you'd have, like, he tried to, do, you'd have a hard training camp. Then you'd have an easy training camp. Mm-hmm. Like, he tried all different training camps. Yeah. You know, he just didn't have this one philosophy of, hey, we're going to do it this way every single year because I believe it works. Mm-hmm. He was kind of grasping. And more of that changed, I believe, day to day or week to week or season to season toward the end when things weren't going as well. You so, know, no, uh, yeah. that's what my perception of it was, at least. And, and you aren't wrong. But, you know, and this is how coaches operate. This is how they function. They're always trying to find a competitive advantage. They're always trying to think outside the box and say, hey, I'm, we're this team that's doing this unique thing and nobody else is doing it, and this is what, what takes us over the top in terms of going to the Super Bowl. One could argue that the night practices might have fell in that category a little bit. Um, one could argue that, you know, <laughs> changing up the, the practice times during the regular season, that was maybe that line of thinking. But like what people sometimes fail to realize, especially in the coaching world, is it's okay to do some of those things, but once again, you can't change the script of what you believe in and what your approaches are that got you there in the first place, right? And this is where I think coaches go wrong sometimes. For instance, Mike McCarthy. Right now, yeah, Mike McCarthy's having some success so far, but he's changed his entire um, attitude with analytics and all this stuff. Now, 
he's having success with it, but can he sustain that success? Now, he had to do that out of necessity because he was looking for a job and he was trying to adapt his coaching philosophies to the newer school of style. The problem is, though, is that if you lose your principles, if you lose your foundation, how much success are you truly going to have? Time will tell for Mark McCarthy. But I'm just trying to make the point of you still have to be grounded in what got you to that show in the first place. And that's your principles, that's your philosophies, and then you adapt with them over time. Maybe that's good advice for Josh Lambeau, by the way. Grounded in what got you there, right? Man. Because uh, where is he? This is the quote from Urban Meyer on Josh Lambeau. I'll have more of an update the next day or two. Everything you said is absolutely correct when asked about his confidence. We all in athletics have dealt with that, whether it be a pitcher, whether it be a golfer, whether it be a kicker. The guy's a workaholic, the guy's a grinder, and the guy's talented. We're all personally trying to get him through it. That's what he's working through. So they admit it. Uh, that this these personal days are a lack of confidence, which, you know, that's logic and, and kind of lines up. But the Jags seemingly are sticking with him for now. Mm. This Matthew Wright kid did a pretty nice job last night. It was just extra points, so we never really saw a field goal or even a clutch one at that. But uh, I guess it's twofold question now. Where does this go from here? Uh, are the Jags trying by philosophy of kind of sitting him down for a week and a half yeah. and letting him clear his mind? Because it looks like we're headed that way. But by the time they play the Titans next Sunday, I have two questions. Is he on the roster? And is he the kicker in that game? They could be two different answers, by the way. No, for sure. Um, is he on the roster? I would say yes. Does he play? All I'm going to say with that one is that he better. <laughs> um and, you know, with, without coming across as cold and callous, I'll be honest, the, 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 the one negative that I saw in Urban Meyer's press conference today was the Josh Lambeau question and the approach that they're taking now with Josh Lambeau. And it's, once again, nothing against Josh Lambeau. He's obviously going through something mentally. I can make an argument and say, well, C.J. Henderson was going through something mentally, and maybe you tried, you can get through to him, but, like, at what point do you say, okay, we got to move on here? Because once again, I say this all the time, it's a performance-based business. And now we find a team that is saving a roster spot for a kicker when your team is 0-4 and you're coming off a 1-15 season. And this situation, it eludes me back, and, and I'm, I may have shared this story before and I may have not, but this eludes me back to my rookie year in Jacksonville, 2010. And like one of the very first OTA practices I was ever a part of we finished individual Joe's with Joe Cohen. And we all put our hands in the middle, and we, uh, I forgot who was leading the, the, the champ, but we say family on three, family on three. And all of a sudden, Joe Cohen, in classic Joe Cohen fashion, comes over and starts chewing us out. And he goes, what the hell are you guys doing? And we're like, we're bro and, and, and like, at this point, I'm like, I'm like, what did I just get myself into here? This is OTAs. <laughs> Why are we getting yelled at already? <laughs> well, we're breaking it down. What did we do wrong? And he said, Why are you guys breaking it down in family? And, you know, we're all just like, because that's, because we're a family. Like, what do you... Like, we were all taken back by the outburst. Like, we had no idea how to respond to it, essentially. And I'll never forget what Joe Cohen said. And, and, and I've, this philosophy has followed with me my entire football career and up until my radio career now. He said, no. You, you, you guys think you're a family, but you're not. Because in a family, the weakest link, you got to carry him with you. In, in a family, if someone's out of line, if someone's pulling you down, you got to drag them with you. So that's what a family does. This is not a family. If you mess up big enough, if you don't play well enough, you're gone. And we forget about you. This is a brotherhood, not a family. And ever since then, we broke it down in brotherhood. 
And, and, and that phrase, you know, that, that quote from Joe Cullen, it always stuck with me because he was absolutely right. Like, it's one thing to break it down in family and say, yeah, we're, we're tight, we're tight. And that, okay. And then well, all of a sudden you wake up one day, a guy's got, get, got cut for getting in trouble or just not producing, and then you forget about him. So, yeah, it, it really isn't a family. And, and the way that Urban Meyer described that Josh Lambeau situation in that press conference, that was more of the family philosophy. You're, you're trying to bring this guy along. Now, I'm not, listen, I'm not hating on it. I, I love the fact that, you know, you're trying to give him every opportunity to succeed and you're making sure he's mentally okay. That's not what I'm saying here. But I'm just saying what I know about football and, and the grand scheme of things, I find it baffling that you're carrying this guy along when I was always taught it was a brotherhood. Yeah, that's a very, hey, that's a great explanation of that. And it's a fine line between those things. Because you just brought up a great point, I thought, with C.J. Henderson, because they did give him a chance, like this regime did. I mean, they went to his house, mm -hmm. and they got him to play, and then they tried to get him to play more and be more interested. They stuck with him, even though at draft day, we know they, didn't, they had red flags because Tyson Campbell was drafted. So, um, so they did give him, and maybe they're doing a little bit of this and giving some rope to a veteran guy who, who has a good resume. And it probably does change from a guy with a resume versus a guy with no resume. Um, an investment, by the way, too, three and a half million bucks and a first-round pick in C.J. Henderson. So I get it, but that, that's a great explanation of that, too. And, and um, that was probably well said by Joe Cullen at the time because it's true. Uh, let's get uh, Captain Rick in here on a Friday, beautiful Friday. Hopefully it's that way on the water as well all weekend long. Uh, Florida Sportsman Fishing Report uh, with Captain Rick. What's up, man? Well, I tell you, that was, uh, of all of Austin's great takes, that was, that was probably the best. I, I can't see... Oh, let's, I can't see Vince Lombardi going to Jerry Kramer's house because he was worried that Jerry's heart wasn't in it to try and give him a raw ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not I wrong. I can't see that. You're not wrong. Uh, not so, wrong. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk fishing because that's something I know a little more about. Pretty darn good day today. In fact, I just got off the phone with the uh, boys in St. Augustine, and the trolling is okay. It's not great. It is early October which uh, for, for those of us that have been doing it a long time, we've got to look at this more like September because it's just the water temperature is still much warmer than it should be for early October. But Captain Robert Johnson said that uh, the J-Hook was out trolling at the stream today. They had three or four mahi, three or four tuna, some mackerels, uh, several other bites. So action is picking up for the Gulf Stream trollers. Now, a little closer to shore, the bottom fishing is extremely good. We've had a lot of divers uh, this week that have gone down, reported excellent visibility, and uh, shot a lot of really nice mangrove snapper, even a few Kubera snapper and some African pompano. So diving's been good. Flounder fishing's very good downtown. The fish seem to be hung up around the Ortega area. Uh, there's quite a few of them there, not so many in the Mayport area. Guys need to be reminded on October 15th, Flounder will close until the end of November. It's going to be breezy tomorrow. I don't see very many boats making it offshore, but it's going to lay down pretty quick. Monday will be the lay down day, and I think by Tuesday, everybody will be out again. But one thing you can count on Monday afternoon, we'll be checking it out, bringing you another fishing report brought to you by Workman's Quick Fix Plumbing and CSS Landscaping. Thanks, uh, Captain Rick. Appreciate it, man. Have a good weekend. Thank you, boys. All right. Uh, we'll hear him tomorrow morning, too, 7 a.m. on ESPN 694, the Sportsman Fishing Show coming up tomorrow.
That's why, hey, every time I hear Captain Rick, I learn of a new fish, it feels like. African I pompano. I've never even heard of that. <laughs> I mean, can you eat that? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea either. Can I, I, can I put that in a taco? I mean, how does that work? <laughs> I seriously have never heard of that. Yeah. Uh, pretty wild. All right. Hey, man, you're out of here. Have a good weekend. Yeah. Uh, enjoy the football with no Jags. It won't be a sad Monday, at least. <sighs> well, it could be, depending on my fantasy teams. A.J. Brown, get better, please. Oh, very good. All right. Uh, have a good weekend with the family. We'll talk to you on Monday. We're not done yet here from extreme wing sports grill roosevelt boulevard more to come in the next half hour we'll put a bow on the show and then get you ready for a friday night full of high school action on a beautiful evening here in northeast florida we got the blitz scoreboard show coming up tonight at nine o'clock you won't want to miss kevin sullivan joins me next to preview the night in high school football it's on the way on espn 690 Heartbreaking. You know, these guys, usually I'm not wrong about stuff like that. That I, I just see a good team in there. I see good guys. I see uh, good hearts. I see guys at work. And I told them I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong about that stuff. This team's going to win some games. That is Urban Meyer after uh, a fourth loss in a row for the Jaguars to start the season. Uh, 19 in a row now here in Jacksonville. So we let that go for a little bit and we get to bring a smile to our face and talk some high school football instead. Let's do that. Brent Bartno here at Extreme Wing Sports Grill. Austin Lane done for the day. Uh, we are just beginning a night of high school football. We do that with Casey Kurtz back in the studio, of course, and also with our Hall of Fame head coach, Kevin Sullivan, and he joins us right now. All right, Sully, fourth and goal. All right, man. Would you go for it? Did you like the play? Should you kick the field goal? You playing conservative? Well, I think I like going for it because uh they had we had all the momentum the jags had all the momentum going in i didn't particularly like the call you've got a back that's dominating we're moving the ball pretty good maybe some play action maybe get trevor out of the pocket for a run pass read or maybe just bring in an extra fullback or an extra h back and just give the ball to james robinson or get underneath the center and run sneak you know yeah that's uh, what i thought I you thought know just I, I had no problem with him going because we had all the momentum but then again, in the NFL, you know, Brent, points are, like, important. And those three, if we kicked it there, and, again, we don't have a proven kicker, but I think he could have made that. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, you can always second-guess that. You can always yeah. second-guess. But if it works, then we're up 21 nothing, and it's probably a win last night. So. All right, take us behind the scene on a Saturday morning in high school football after you guys play and you lose a close game or maybe even you win. You got, did the staff have some heated discussions about play calls and stuff like that? Uh, sometimes they did. Um, some guys, sometimes they'd ask me, you know, the, the good thing about with me anyways is, you know, I called the offense for almost my whole time and uh, with some input from guys and we'd sit down and we'd go through and uh, break everything down. And, you know, probably uh, Saturday morning we would always meet and we would get together and we would be like, uh, you know, I would already have played the game, watched the game, number one and already replayed it in my mind probably twice, whether we won close or off, and try to be like, ah, oh, in this situation, we didn't stick to the plan. I don't know why we did this, blah, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. So um, I, don't, I don't know. Sometimes you get heated, more, more disappointing, and either, either not staying in the plan or getting caught in the emotion of, uh, oh, man, we're just going to do this, and that's what we're going to do. So um, always had good guys upstairs that would keep pretty level and even keel on everything so uh yeah 
yeah, you get back, you get going on Saturday and uh, watch the film and get everybody out of there by, say, 2, and then give them the, week, the rest of the weekend off and come back on Monday ready to go. All right. Well, it's been working for some of the programs around here. Uh, you know, each and every week, I feel like we're talking about the Bishop Kennys and Hilliards now, the world. And Bishop Kennys got Baker County tonight. Creekside has Mandarin on homecoming down there. They're undefeated. Uh, we got a big one, man. Trinity and Bowles. Uh, you, this is the beauty of this new format, right? I mean, this gives us Trinity and yeah. Bowles, where you just. My early years here in Jacksonville, we didn't get this kind of game. Most recently, we've had Reigns and Bowls go, and Trinity's will, willing to play anybody. But i got to love this matchup, matchup between a, a lot of talent and obviously two proud programs. Who, who's got the edge here tonight, you think? Uh, I, I want to say that uh, I think Bowles' experience tonight gives them a little bit of the edge and probably special teams. Um, I think in games like these, I think special teams are big. Uh, without a doubt, and Bolt's experience, you know, uh, even though Colin Hurley's played well and played quality opponents as a freshman, he's going to get into a local game with a lot riding on the line, a lot of bragging rights, a lot of, a lot of private school bragging rights also. So um, I think that uh, the experience of Bowles tonight and possibly special teams, but I'm not counting Trinity out at all because they've really turned it up a notch offensively. Yeah, they have, and, and Colin Hurley's been part of that. I mean, you, you shared a note with me, three out of the top five, I think, or three out of the top 13 statistically uh, in the area are freshmen. Got some young quarterbacks yeah. playing varsity ball and playing pretty well, and Colin Hurley's probably the most talked about one. Right, yes, and uh, Jones at um, Mandarin has had a really good year, and he's sort of watching him on film. He, he's still a little awkward in the position, but he does move around pretty good and throws the ball. And then uh, Burroughs down at Fleming Island, I believe, uh, is, is our other young man that's really come on and taken the reins in the last couple of weeks. So another proud program down there that's getting back on the winning side at Fleming. Yeah, and I, I think uh, Coach Kevin Sullivan with us. You know, it's interesting – we, we see more younger players playing in college, you know. Um, heck, we got it in the NFL, it seems like. But also now in high school, that's filtered down, right, where you're not afraid to play a young quarterback. I mean, the skill set of these kids, the seven-on-sevens, the, the bigger, stronger, faster. Um, sure, you want the experience, but it, it bodes well for down the road for Trinity, of course, playing Hurley. I think about Mandarin and Tremel Jones. I mean, this is a guy that Bobby Ramsey is really high on. Yeah, I'm not really sure people are going to notice this year as much but you watch him over the next couple of years i think you're going to see that heck there's some sophomores playing good football or resaw mm -hmm. uh right out, out of bishop kenny he's a guy that p had some playing time last year and now he's um getting it done and bishop kenny's undefeated again they got a big one tonight so you're just not afraid to play the young kid anymore i guess it, it seems like no i think you know nowadays like you hit on it the seven on seven and the individual uh individual uh, quarterback coaches and stuff those kids might be a little bit more progressed and they get into the right situation for them um, as far as uh, being around a team with a lot of senior leadership I know Bishop Kenny has a lot of senior leadership Rosars for sophomore doing a really nice job over at over at uh, Trinity with Colin Hurley you know that staff's been around those kids have been in that program a lot of those kids been in that program you know six sixth grade seventh grade eighth grade you know like like they've been in there some of them haven't been in that long but there's a lot of winning tradition so to be able to get a young kid and mold the young kid in your system in your program only bodes well for the future and also for the guys around him as they continue to grow and, and move forward and everything and so it's it's pretty neat though i mean uh especially those three young men having the success they're having. 
Yeah, that's talented guys, and that's good. A good recruiting class potentially down the road. A crop of quarterbacks coming out of Jacksonville. Uh, that can be a cyclical thing in this area. Uh, you know, we mentioned the Trinity Bulls game. How big it? Like, it doesn't matter if somebody loses that game. Like, in it, for me, right? I mean, both no. are going to go to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Both, they're, they're mm-hmm. just—it's going to look good regardless. Uh, playing a game like that. Does it mean something more to win that game? I mean, outside of uh, bragging rights, I mean, could it propel them to a new level if Colin Hurley plays well and beats Bowles? I mean, everybody wants to beat Bowles. You know what? Everybody also wants to beat Trinity Christian. Trinity, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think what's good about it is is finally we're getting, uh, like we have talked about every week, that we're getting all the top programs to be able to play each other and not being afraid to play each other and not just trying to schedule wins, trying to play quality people, which only makes the football better. I mean, both these teams are probably making deep playoff runs, and so why not get battle-tested against somebody in your area, somebody the kids are all familiar with, all those kids play in, or, in, or, in uh, pro impact on the seven-on-seven seven stuff, and they're all intertwined together. And so they're all, they all know each other. You know how when we were kids, Brett, we might have known the kid that was on the other team, but we didn't like know the kid, go throw yeah. with him at the bar, go work out with a kid. These guys all work. So they all know each other. There's a lot of respect. So be a lot of respect at this program for both guys. So, you know, not only the coaching staff, so be a lot of respect for each other, but also the kids playing the game. So this is one of those games where it's a win-win for both. Somebody's going to win, of course. Somebody's going to lose. But but in five weeks, they may look back and say, boy, that Bulls game really helped us. It really helped us with the way we blocked our run game. We had to change something, and that may help them later on down the road to, to win the state championship, get into the state championship game. Both teams, it right. should be real exciting. Yeah, a couple other games. Reigns, Parker, Baldwin, Episcopal, Inglewood, Riverside, Baker County, Bishop Kenny. I'll be at the Inglewood, Riverside, and Baker County, Bishop Kenny game tonight. Fleming and Pontevedra, Mandarin, Creekside, Rebalt, Yuli, um, and then you got some other ones like Sandalwood at Oakleaf. Uh, that yeah. should be a good game, too. So we, those are well, where again. our cameras are at for the Friday Night Blitz tonight. So we'll have a lot of action from around the area. Yeah, the neat the, the thing about that, some of these guys, district-wise, District-wise, Sandalwood can't afford another district loss in that in that 8A district with Oakleaf, yeah. and Oakleaf hasn't had a district loss, so Sandalwood can't afford it. If they do, they're pretty much done district-wise. Uh, Mandarin, the same thing with Crookside. Crookside undefeated. Mandarin has a district loss, so you don't want to lose that one either. So, And there's a couple of that. To me, the most interesting four tonight is Rage and Parker and Rebolt Newley because that's basically their district, those four teams. Yeah, no doubt. So to uh, me, that that's a big matchup. The winner of those two get in a really good set. You lose that one, your back's against the wall trying to get in uh, as a district champion. You could get in it with the RPI through max preps, but those that, those four are very intriguing tonight. Yeah, so some critical, uh, c- yep. yeah, kind of like make-or-break moment here in week six of the high school football season in some of those district matchups. All right, Coach, uh, go get some dinner. Right, buddy. We'll see you back here yes, at 9 sir. o'clock tonight. All right, bud. I'll talk to you later. All right, All right, that's right, Kevin bye-bye. Sullivan, our coach, and we'll have the Blitz Scoreboard Show. Here's the lineup if you haven't. I tell you, well, last week was such a great example of the show. I mean, we, we take it to the end of some of the, the games. Uh, I think it was Baker County Mandarin last week. We took it right to the end of that one. It ended on the six-yard line. Mandarin uh, would hang on for the win over Baker County. And then we have Coach Pate on from Hilliard, and he's coming up from Crescent City, and he was just a barrel of laughs, man. We had a lot of fun. And then we get to do committed to the uncommitted and talk about a guy like Ben Bogle, who's really what high school football is all about. Uh, Make sure you check out the show. I I keep telling you about it. 
uh, one because we'd love for you to listen and, and watch the show, but uh, I think you'll, you'll like it. It's it's different. It's not uh, what everybody else is doing. And so uh, tune in 9 o'clock, and you got to watch it on social media. That's the way to do it, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch, the Blitz Scoreboard Show, 9 until 10.30, and we will take you to live action from around the area. That's what we'll do on that show, plus analysis from Kevin Sullivan, some uh, scores, of course, if you are just in your car, you get all of that as well. Coaches will call in. But if you get to watch on social media or you go back and watch it, you get to see a whole bunch more. And then that walks right into the Friday Night Blitz, 1030 on Fox 30, 1120 on CBS 47 and Fox 30. So high school football coverage tonight, we've got you covered all around the area. When we come back from Extreme Wing Sports Grill, we put a bow on the show. And this week, a weekend off from the Jags, folks. You might need it. But there's a lot of other football going on. We talk about it when we come back on ESPN 690. Yeah, I, I don't know the extent. I, I heard it's a broken uh, ankle, and he's starting to play well. And that's, that's a big one. And then uh, AJ Cam, we don't know the extent, but it's MCL, and uh, we're not sure the extent of the knee injury. That is Urban Meyer, and really for the, well, I shouldn't say the first time, because now you start looking, it's funny how in the NFL it can add up so quick. Uh, Brent Martineau, Extreme Wing Sports Grill here in Roosevelt Boulevard. Remember, four locations for Extreme Wing Sports Grill. All weekend, you can watch your football on Saturday, on Sunday, of course, and each and every day. Come on out to Extreme Wing Sports Grill. Four locations. This one, Roosevelt Boulevard, St. John's County at 210. Uh, also, Ocean Way and Atlantic Boulevard as well. So make sure you stop on out to Extreme Wing Sports Grill and uh, try the wings. They're awesome. I try different ones usually, well, most of the time. I might lean on some favorites on occasion, like today. Uh, so uh, the thing about the NFL, Casey Kurtz, is the NF the injuries can look good for a bit, and then boom, it hits you. And the Jags looked okay going into that final uh, preseason game, and then ETN, and then you even go with the regular season, you're like, okay, so ETN's a big blow. We all understand that. But... At least they don't have a bunch of injuries like some other teams did. Well, now here you're a month into the season, and you start looking at this offense. They were supposed to have ETN. DJ Chark is done for at least a while, if not the year. And A.J. Can goes down at right guard. And, again, I think A.J. is a little bit underrated at times for, for a lot of player, um, for people on that offensive line. They do have a guy in Ben Barch that's now second year and probably capable. But now you look at the offense and what's around Trevor, and you lose a weapon. You obviously lose a big guy out of the playbook in ETN, and now you lose a right guard. It can add up in a hurry, and that's something to keep an eye on. How much will DJ Chark losing him impact the receiving game of the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, and, I mean, it stinks, first of all, for DJ Chark, right? Because, obviously, what this year meant to him, and it just it's unfortunate to see him get hurt on a play that he really had no business being involved in. Obviously, he was trying to make a block and help his team, so that's unfortunate. But I think one thing, obviously, you don't want to see A.J. can get hurt either, but you guys said earlier that the offensive line, you thought the offensive line was good last night. Well, at least you're not sitting here saying, well, it was good besides Ben Barch when he came in. So maybe... Ben Barch played it well enough to build on something and can fill in for A.J. Can for as long as he needs and play at least up to the standard of A.J. Can. Well, speaking of D.J. Chark, uh, I talked to him yesterday after the game for very brief. I just saw him coming out of the locker room. He was in a boot and on crutches. And uh, I tell you what, he's in really good spirits. I mean, he was smiling a little bit. And 
Uh, I just gave him a fist bump, said, sorry about that, man. He's like, hey, it's football. It's part of the game, you know. Um, but to your point, it's a big year for him. And he has been very good about deflecting that. But the bottom line is it's a business. And this is a tough game. you got to make your money when you can make your money. He just lost a lot of money now. And, and I mean, potentially he wasn't playing well enough to make as much as we all thought. But he could have still put up some numbers the rest of this year and really came on. And Urban Meyer said he was starting to play well. And now he doesn't have the opportunity to do that. So regardless, he's going to lose a good amount of money because if he signs back with the Jaguars, it'll probably be on a more moderate deal. If he signs with anybody, it'll probably be on a show-me deal. I guess there's a small chance they could franchise tag him, but that'd be spending a lot of money on a receiver who now three out of four years hasn't put up a bunch of numbers for you. So I think the situation got a got murky now on the DJ Chark front, especially with the future here in Jacksonville, but also just about making a ton of money. Chark just said this on Twitter about 20 minutes ago. Wouldn't have guessed this for year four, but I thank God for another opportunity to show resilience and perseverance. New journey, same mission. Thanks for the prayers, he says. Uh, tough go for uh, DJ Chark. Wishing the best in recovery. And I, I think he's a good player. So, uh, you know, he wasn't off to a hot start, but I do think he's a good, talented player and very young. So I wouldn't give up on DJ Chark uh, just yet. All right, Casey Kurtz, go get something to eat. Get ready to roll tonight at 9 o'clock for the Blitz Scoreboard Show. How about it? That's the plan. That is the plan. Uh, for your football needs, come on out to Extreme Wing Sports Grill uh, all weekend long. And we'll be back on the Blitz Scoreboard Show on ESPN 690, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, as well with some high school football action. Leads right into the Friday Night Blitz. We got people going everywhere for some big games tonight, including that big Trinity Bowls game. I'll be in the backyard at Riverside High School. Then I'm going over to see the Baker County Bishop Kenny game. We'll have all the action for you tonight. TV, CBS 47, Fox 30, and also right here on ESPN 690. It begins at 9 o'clock. Have a good weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening to ESPN 690. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.